0: Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. To be truly effective as a preacher, I am very convinced that we have to become bilingual in two different languages. Now, I'm not talking about Greek or Hebrew. I'm not talking about um, you know <laughs> English and French or Canadian even. Uh, what I'm talking about is the languages of grace and truth. I was in South Georgia on one occasion when I preached in Moultrie and West Hazel, who preaches for the Forest Park Congregation down there. He he made mention that we have a struggle. Uh, a war, if you will, between preaching grace and truth. And that churches can even be full of grace or full of truth, and it's very hard to uh, find a church that's very balanced on the matter. That you'll find some churches that are all truth churches and some churches that are all grace churches, but but nobody that's kind of in between or or known for being somewhat in between. And, and what you and I must do is, as Jesus did, Jesus John 1 and 14 says that he was full of grace and truth, and Jesus was completely capable, fluent, able to to preach um, and teach and to live full of grace and truth. The reality is that most of us are not. It may be the case that we simply don't know the balance between grace and truth and how much truth is in grace and how much grace is in truth and uh, is truth of grace or is grace of truth and, and vice versa. Now, we we need to be diligent students to make sure we understand the balance of grace and truth but i want to talk about a few things today that that may help you as you uh, preach and as you teach maybe as you shepherd as you as you serve the table as a deacon um where you want to be balanced in everything that you do so this can be hard um what i want you to do is i want you to identify what language you speak if i was to have you sit in front of a whiteboard and draw a line and at one end of the line i've got the word prophet which in its original word just means uh, someone who professes something uh if you think about old testament prophets one who was a fire and brimstone somebody who um railed against israel or railed against nineveh or or whoever and, and brought uh the truth and brought it ferociously so put that on one end of the line and on the other line put um let's use the term shepherd uh, that's the term that comes to my mind when I think about somebody who's being gentle, who's being, um, who's being, a sort of a caregiver. Somebody who is affectionate or soft, maybe. Uh, when you think about a shepherd over his sheep, he's going to tend to. So, just for the sake of this argument, let's take those two, um, two different pinpoints, two different opposites, where you've got a a shepherd on one side, and you've got a prophet on the other. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to pick one or the other. Which one do you find in your preaching, in your teaching, in your ministry, uh, as you serve as an elder? Which one are you more like? Are you all prophet, all truth, 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 or are you this gentle um, shepherd, grace, um i don't want to say passive but a softer a softer kind of preacher or teacher you know in both languages in both styles have their own unique dangers they're they're not exempt from each but but preachers that are very strong in you know trumpeting truth and laying it all out there um if you're not careful the congregation are going to the congregation that you preach for or serve as an elder or whatever they're going to feel defeated, they're going to feel uh, chastened, they're going to feel like that every time they come to worship, they got a whooping. Um, so you you may, you may develop a type of people that think, okay, all of this Christian walk is about me, there is no grace involved, there is no strength of God, um, I've got to do this, I've got to do it on my own, I've got to remain perfect, and they'll they'll give up when their strength fails because it surely will but on the other hand if you're a preacher who gravitates toward uh the shepherd mindset the grace mindset you will tend to underemphasize God's holy demands and over time the congregation can become complacent and self-satisfied i mean very weak and just you know uh doctrinally unsound that's that's how that happens you and I are somewhere on the continuum between this prophetic truth teller and this grace-giving shepherd. And so what I want you to do in your mind is I want you to take your initials or a little, you know, felt board uh, picture of you and put yourself somewhere on that continuum. Now you can't be in the middle because Jesus was in the middle. (laughs) So that's not you. Uh, You're somewhere on this. Some of you who've been preaching in the kingdom longer, or have served in the kingdom longer, you you find the balance. You know more of the balance. You know a good conversation to have when it comes to grace and truth. But wherever you put yourself on this continuum, know that you always have room for improvement. Um, I want to urge you as a preacher to not preach only your default language. Don't, don't make it a habit to always preach how you want to be preached at or preached to, um, don't do that. Uh you and I as as preachers, we need to become effective communicators of both grace and truth. That is the balance. And and if we don't, what we're doing is we are very very much so unfaithfully uh representing scripture. Just as the living word was full of grace and truth, so was the written word the Bible that is before you, this holy book, the Word, the Scriptures, is a balanced book. It is perfect in its nature. It's perfect in its balance. It is exactly what it needs to be. Jeremiah compared God's Word to both grain and a hammer. It nourishes, it grows, but it also shatters. That's Jeremiah twenty three, twenty eight, and 29. That's why Paul could tell Timothy that all Scripture is theonoustos, God-breathed, and it's profitable for everything of this life, 2 Timothy 3.16. So since Scripture communicates both God's grace and His truth, you and I must as well. We cannot settle for all truth or all grace. Both are error. To be far left is to be the same as far right. If the right calls you left and the left calls you right, you're probably where you need to be. You're probably right there with the Lord. So if if scripture communicates both grace and truth, how does a preacher, how do you and I communicate? How do we how do we choose which language to present? Well, newsflash, we don't get to choose. The preacher does not choose the inflection. The preacher does not choose, okay, is this all truth or is this all grace? Or is this a little bit of both? The The passage tells the preacher exactly. A word study is key when it comes to sermon development. It has to be. You've got to preach exactly how God meant for this word to be preached. You can't take things out of context. You can't proof, proof text your way in and out of a sermon. You You don't want to do that. A preacher's job, you know, I know, a teacher's job shepherd deacon you've got to accurately convey what God communicates in that particular passage and what I like to do to find the context is I think to myself okay how does this verse fit into the the thought how does this thought fit into the chapter this chapter into the book how does this book fit into the Bible and the overall theme of the gospel that's a good logical way to deduce good hermeneutics but this, this means that we must not only get the message of the passage right in our in our preaching and teaching, we must get the mood right as well. If you preach Psalm 23 in a way that leaves people all kinds of riled up or shaken up or convicted, you've not been true to the tone of the text. You need to do a word study. You need to find out, okay, what's, what type of conversation... Is the Lord having with me in this in this conversation, but also in the opposite end? If I fail to preach the opening verses of James 4, which is, <laughs> "You adulterous people," if I fail to preach that in a way that convicts, that rebukes, that corrects, then what I've done is I've mis- misrepresented the text. Preachers have to become bilingual in this language in order to faithfully proclaim. Quote, The whole counsel of God, Acts twenty twenty seven. We've got to do that. Preaching the whole counsel of God is not just the five steps of salvation, the worship of the church, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. All of those, all of those doctrines that we can very quickly and easily cling to. It's like the preacher who always preached on baptism, and his elders came to him and they said, "Listen." <laughs> You're 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 preaching to people, an older church, and everybody in this house has been baptized. You you need to move on. You need to graduate. And they said, Start in Genesis. And so he did. That next Sunday he started in Genesis and and he he gets to the flood. He said, and the flood. The baptism of Noah. Which brings me to the point of my sermon, Baptism for the Remission of, of Sins. <laughs> so there are some preachers who are hobby horses and absolutely misrepresent the text or just focus on quote core doctrine if you will if there is even if there is even such a thing i've got to preach the whole counsel of god which includes the tone that god is having with his immediate audience you you may want to bring people hope and healing and you want to bring people to the to the to the cusp of the grace of God. And you want people to respond positively. I mean, what's wrong with that? Nothing, nothing. But you need to take an honest assessment of your work as a preacher, your work as an elder, and how you present the truth, how you present, uh, maybe you're an elder and you're about to go have to have a sit-down conversation with a brother or sister who is in sin. They are in error. They um, They are wandering lost. They are to be uh, corrected and withdrew from if necessary. And so that's a hard conversation to have. But if you show up all lollygagging and full of grace and you undermine their sin and and you, you undermine God's holiness and you just don't make a big deal out of it, you're just checking the elder box, then you have not properly exercised your role as a shepherd. God will hold you accountable for that soul that is in front of you. So, The context always determines my tone. I've got to know what language to speak. I can't be all hammer and everybody's a nail. Jesus wasn't, I can't be. Maybe it's the case that you're preaching and you don't accurately reflect the passage that has been preached by you. Uh, Maybe the text comes down hard on sin and your sermon had not. You need to reflect Upon that, why? What are you afraid of? Why will you not convey the truth as it is in the Bible? Are you afraid of losing your job? Are you afraid of uh, public decorum? Are you afraid of um, what they will think of you? Are you are you hesitant to preach a specific topic? Then you need you need to throw yourself on the floor and pray about it. You need to ask God for strength. You need to go to your elders or your men or your preacher friends or your wife even. Uh, for accountability, for help, for for exact um, exact resource that you need to help you preach the truth. Uh, but if you can't preach the truth as it is in the text, if you can't come down hard on sin and you want to float to grace all the time, then you need to get out of God's pulpit because you're not God's preacher. But it is the case if all you want to do is, is bring down the hammer and, and hurt people and um, just just damn sin all the time, That's an unbalanced view. Is sin sin? Yeah. But if all you're doing is hurting the brethren, then you also need to get out. If you can't find some sort of uh, relief, if you can't find some sort of way to vent your frustration rather than making the pulpit a whipping post, then you need to get away from it because the church of God is worth more than your poor attitude and misrepresentation of the text. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. You and I need to become bilingual. Grace and truth and the text decides. So when when we're talking about learning a second language, it can be difficult, but there there is a way to do it. There is a pattern to do it. Uh, how does a preacher who is strong in one or the other of these essential languages, because they are essential, how do we do it? How do we preach well in the other? If you're a grace, how do you preach truth? If you're truth, how do you preach grace? And I'm using those terms very liberally because I, I hope that you understand. Um, biblically, grace is truth, and we know grace because of truth, and they are combined. But but the world abuses the term truth and grace, and and so for this this episode, I, I hope you'll take those terms as I'm putting them out there. Now, while you may fluently speak one or the other, uh, you've got to do some things to help yourself. Number one, commit yourself to taking your tone from the passage. Don't misrepresent scripture. Look for words that are indicated by the author's emotional emphasis, and then follow his lead. The Holy Spirit wrote this entire book this in front of you. It's been, there's one author, but the Holy Spirit used their personalities, their traits, their, their, their specific characteristics that was specific to them, uh, to the audience that they were, they were writing to, and so all of that's important. If this passage has a very grace-type, uh, empathetic shepherding feel, then then let that come out in your sermon. If the text shakes people up with uh, fire and brimstone, Furman, then let your sermon do the same. Curtis Cates used to say, "Brethren, <laughs> he would say, put your put some fire in your sermon, or put your sermon in the fire." Of course, I think he got that from somebody else, but but it's still true. If there is no option behind what you're preaching, then get out. Get out. Get get in the line of work of licking stamps because God's Word deserves more than your passive, poor ways. You've got to learn. Commit yourself to this. I want to faithfully exposit a text and I want to convey the message and the mood of the text. So number one, commit yourself to that. Number two, listen to a preacher who excels in the language. <clears throat> Excuse me, that you are trying to learn. There are great expositors out there in the brotherhood, and those who are outside of the brotherhood. No, I don't endorse the denominational preachers, but probably ninety percent of what they preach is truth, roughly. And so you can separate the fish from from the from the bone. I trust you can. Uh, that's you're listening to this podcast. You you're taking your your salvation and your study of scripture very seriously. And so I would say, uh, listen to other people. Listen listen to brothers and sisters or brothers in Christ who preach the truth effectively. Um, if you're an all-truth preacher, then listen to a preacher who, who knows how to lay it out there uh, in a very uh, a shepherding-type way. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Dan Winkler. I'm thinking of uh, David Shannon. I'm thinking of... Even Neil Ritchie, uh, who was here at Piedmont Road, who has a very counseling-type method to his preaching—not all of it—but a very empathetic, uh, a very thoughtful process of preaching. Um, But if you're looking for a gunslinger, if if you are a a a poor expositor of the text, you you have a hard time uh, not putting on a show, but being emphatic with your preaching. Then go with somebody like Cliff Goodwin. Go with somebody uh, who 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 knows how to uh, bring fervor into the pulpit. Hiram Kemp, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of uh, Melvin Otey, uh, guys who who were good with bringing uh, the fervor. Larry Acuff is another one that comes to mind. Uh, guys who know how to preach the truth excitingly. Get get in get in the car with those folks through your mobile device and listen. Number three, remember that learning a second language, it takes practice. And it is uncomfortable, but you're not going to grow in your comfort. But God didn't call us to comfort. He called us to conviction. So you've got to learn how to do this. You've got to learn this this, this practice and this discomfort. It's going to be painful. But number one, you've committed yourself. Number two, you're listening to other preachers who do well in the opposite of you Then number three, you remember that this is going to be somewhat awkward, maybe even painful. If you're introverted, your preaching may need to be extroverted. If you're extroverted, your preaching may need to be introverted. It just depends on the text. So prayerfully uh, rely on God, on Christ, the Spirit as He has been revealed in the text. Uh, How can I be Christ-like in my preaching? How can I preach both effectively grace and truth? And like everybody who learns a second language, we will be glad that this is what we're doing. And remember, n- number four, if we could put this on the end, even as you do add a second language, you will not lose your first one. Um, you, will not, you will not lose who you are, uh, we, we might say, by nature. Some of you are very um, thoughtful in your process and you may need to get some 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 fire under your bones, and 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 pull the trigger quickly. Uh, but other ones may need to slow down a little bit. But G.K. Chesterton, he was very fond of of pointing out how uh, the Christian faith, as he knew it, uh, really in a very paradoxical way brings together opposites. And as he put it, Christianity has a unique way of quote. Uh, combining furious opposites by keeping them both and keep keeping them both furious, and so this is what a preacher must do with grace and truth. Our goal is to become so fluent in both quote grace and truth uh, with empathetic style preaching and very uh, very blunt truth style preaching that we can speak both in the same sermon. We, we can seamlessly shift between the two where we are emphatic, we are straightforward, we are very blunt in one occasion, but three verses later the tone shifts and now we're taking time. Now we're being at peace. Now we're being uh, having an intimate conversation on a one-on-one basis and it's not so much gunslinger mode. We preach both with a prophetic and a uh, shepherding edge. Our sword that we wield um, on Sundays is double-bladed, and on one side it cuts very sharply. On the other side it cuts very smoothly. There's a story about a Civil War soldier laying in a hospital bed, tent really, um, on the battlefield, and gangrene has set up in his arm And the doctor comes into the room, and the doctor is there to remove his arm. And the doctor knows that if he doesn't remove his arm, the gangrene will set up and kill the man. But the young man knows that the doctor is in the room to take his arm. So the young man looks up to the doctor, and he says, are you here to take my arm? And the doctor says, no, I'm here to save your life. We need to combine both grace and truth in a way that keeps them both furiously full strength. There is a Greek word that really captures what what we're trying to do in our preaching, and that's parakaleo. It's difficult to capture uh, maybe a, the range of, of that term in just one single English word. Uh, it can have the nuance of exhortation, Acts 2 and verse 40. But it also emphasizes encouragement. Acts 16 and verse 40. Perakaleo, call beside. Preaching brings the two together. Grace, truth, by giving people both encouragement and exhortation. It has, quote, this prophetic edge, as we said, but it also has this very empathetic, uh, peaceful edge about it. They're not separated. They're both the same. It can cut the heart, but it is, it is also designed to very precisely make incisions and to cut and to heal. Parakaleo preaching is what is permissible. It's what is real. It's what it should be. It normalizes our struggles without normalizing our sin.